Welcome to the fourth episode of Doc Talk, brought to you by Bill Fisher Tackle, Bill Fisher Outfitters, West End Fish Company. We're here today. Chris Bell is not with us. In fact, he is... We're actually a little nervous. Yeah. We don't even know where he is. We haven't heard from him in eight days, and those closest to him have also not heard from him in eight days. Are we, we, are we nervous? Well, we also... Chris Bell's not here, but we want to introduce a awesome member of our crew, a great friend, um, Dano Lynch. Dano, welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'm sorry Chris is not here. I track him on my phone and I can't find him anywhere. (laughs) Actually, that's something we all do. Uh, Our wives or girlfriends think it's kind of weird, but we have like find my friends on our iPhones and we always know where each other are. And it's super fun. But when someone goes off the grid... You're usually excited for him. Now we're a little nervous on day eight, but he's on a tanker somewhere, probably in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, jonesing to be here. But Dano's a welcome addition. But honestly, so we, Chris Bell, we just keep saying, hey, to Chris, uh, what's going on? You know, where are you at? Can we do this week? What are you doing? And it's honestly crickets back. You'd think in 2020, with all the technology that's flown through the airwaves right now, that we could talk to a tanker in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico, but... Yeah, you'd think it'd be important to have communication when on a tanker. Maybe he doesn't want to talk to us. Yeah, <laughs> could be. Oh, well. Maybe Dano's an upgrade. I'll tell you, his facial hair is an upgrade. Great mustache. I yeah, love like, what you're bringing to the table. The quarantine thing. I'm about to start a mullet. I don't know. Yeah, you got the sweats going. He's got the sweats up. You know? I, I love the loungewear of quarantine, so it's it, been good. It is nice to be comfortable. Uh, well, you know, so the last couple talk talks we did, we talked about the fishing and it took two episodes to kind of like keep getting you guys excited about the fishing. And then, uh, we finally, in the last episode, we uh, caught some fish, but we were still trying to get excited. Cameron, can you give us the current state of our fishery right now? Um, I'm probably the best. Actually, we're all probably bad because we get super excited and people think we exaggerate, but. It's as fun as I can ever remember it in May right now. It is just top water action and consistency and beautiful fresh fish. It's awesome right now. That's my evaluation it's, of our current fishery. Camp spot on. It's something actually really unique what's going on. Um, so I've been, Monday was the first day we could guide. Um, and we, we fished last weekend and just for fun, but mu- started Monday guiding and, um, was able to pick a bunch of fish out of the Harbor, you know, classic seeing them, you know, it's just really good classic Harbor fishing. And then early this week, you know, the, the sort of normal spots started getting a little bit light fish were spooky, couldn't quite figure it out. And all of a sudden you started looking out in the middle of the Harbor and birds were cranking down. And the last, I think three or probably four days, Monday, maybe on the afternoon is there's been an explosion of fish. I mean, just they're crushing bait. And it's not like it's all sand deals. They're not small bait. They're like, these are kind of. They're big, chunky sand deals. There's yeah. big fish in there too. They're, yeah. I mean, I mean it's. For this to, time of year, absolutely. Uh, it's It's been really fun. But to, to take everyone back, we had this kind of like build up, waiting, wanting to happen. And then news came across our phone about Josh Whelan catching a bluefish. We're like, oh, that's awesome. But someone caught a bluefish before we caught a keeper. But again. Anything changing in a fishery is exciting for us. It's just that movement forward. A bunch of shad, too. Oh, tons of shad. I've never seen so many shad. They're like tarpon almost. They're jumping out of the water with you. They're a blast. They're actually to a point where I think it was uh, one trip. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Somebody said, hey, can we start targeting these? I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how to target them, but we we did. We started like we we did try and target them. I'm using the air quotes, and we did catch a couple more when we started changing our tactics a little bit. But rumor is they're really good to eat. Have you really? guys tried them? I got a big one, probably like a 20 inch the other day. Okay, next one we catch, we're keeping. Yeah, Why not try cool. it? Right, like. Pete, Pete, from Pete's fish print wants to do a fish print of a shad. So we've lost it. Sam, I was with Sam Herrick and my fiance caught one and it was a shad and it just right. We're pulling out and they have very There's, light lips and they don't, they lose pretty easily. They so. do lose. Yeah. And that's one of the things when you're thinking about, it. you, you got to make sure like you're getting a good, um, a, a solid hook in there. There's some flimsy hooks on some of these lures, but, um, yeah. But, so we caught that first, Bluefish by we. I don't think any of us have caught a bluefish nope. yet. There have been. He wasn't the only one. There are multiple reports. These fish are mostly on the North Shore right now. But then we'd also heard reports of some bigger fish caught on the South Shore in the harbor, but no one had measured a keeper yet. And then last Friday afternoon ended up catching. I caught a keeper. In... Cameron caught the first keeper of the season. I, I didn't I, know that. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. So it's I don't like to say that because I think others did catch it before. But yeah, it was the first kind of documented one, and it was right at 28. So um, it just, I'm excited because it creates another level of enthusiasm for the fishery. Um, that's what it's all about, is just getting people going and activated. And then this week's been awesome. Chuck Deuce had a bomb two was, nights ago. 30, was, oh, yeah, yeah, how big was Bomb that? for this time of year, but uh, 33 inches, but it was fat. But Chuck Deuce is another, like, Dave Bell kind of guy kind of guy who puts his time in he's been doing it for a very long time like the guy you when you see him catch a fish you're like fired up man oh, he's and, he's awesome and he gets a lot of big fish actually he's one of the, the, the didn't you take a kid out who's staying in well win it who yeah, got yeah two in uh sack, was it sack or? up in uh Cascade, he got some yeah um keepers yeah but this is yeah i took a great kid out this week who's like all in and it was one of these trips where like it was flat calm and we didn't we didn't have a good trip. He's a good fisherman. And then um and this is what I love. I never met the kid before. I, I knew his mom, so I, I knew uh the family. But I never taken him. He's a diehard fisherman, this kid. And we had a slow trip, honestly. We 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 missed a bunch of fish. We'd fish on that broke off, but we only landed, I think, three fish. Um but he was he loved it. He loved the act of it. And um he went back on foot to I think three of the different places that we fished. And the next day he sends me texts that he caught fish in each of those three spots on foot. And he's so, like, hey, he's like, thanks a lot. I'm like, dude, you did it, man. He did it. He's a good fisherman. So you're doing the right thing. That's good. Good. Uh, yeah. Pat on your back, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I'm all about, we just want to get people catching fish. That's what we're all about. So but when I got that uh, photo from Chuck, I was so fired up. He, he's such a good guy to have happen. And he classic, like you see the picture. And he's holding a fish, big belly, and it's right next to his chest. Because, guys, one of my biggest pet peeves is the long arm syndrome. I cannot stand what's long a, arms. Like, Tim, what's, hold on. What's a, what's a hashtag you could start to stop the long arm movement? Uh, I don't know. Do you guys all know what I mean by the long arm movement where you guys where you take the well, fish the and you... It's the Instagram effect. It's where you perspective. Yeah. You've got to make your fish look good for others. To me, a fish looks beautiful no matter if it's... So actually, to that point, one of the great Instagram posts of the season was Sam Herrick. Sam and Dano were fishing um, in the creek early on, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you took the picture. Yeah. But Sam caught a 12-inch fish, and Sam Herrick is a large man. And, uh, 6'11", 7 feet with Skechers on. 
Yeah. <laughs> but so Sam took off his flip flop and put it next to a 12 inch fish. And it was, it was pretty funny. It was good. It's awesome. But it's like, that's it. Like, don't brag. Like, about what's him. he going to do? Hold that thing out with his, like, if he's got a seven foot wingspan, that thing could look that 30 actually could inches. have been funny. That could be funny. <laughs> well, that was a, the great thing about Raft's tournament is that they do have the smallest fish award um, for that. So, you what'd just, you guys measure in for smallest fish, by the way? I, you know, I didn't. I didn't. I mine probably would be. I've got my biggest, smallest fish ever is like fourteen inches. Like I usually catch a ten or eleven. Actually, that's a, an exaggeration because the winner's ten right now. I had a ten and like three quarters. You did. Caitlin Klinger has one smaller me, and Klinger caught one before Kevin Ramis, so that was great. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm eleven and, and a half, and I was uh, actually. I thought that was a pretty pretty nice small fish. That's a great tournament, though. That I don't know that we've discussed it, but what he's done, Raph's done on Nantucket, is created this momentum around getting people into our spring fishery. And there's all sorts of awesome prizes, but a prize for the shortest fish, a prize for the first keeper, a prize for the longest fish, a prize for the first blue fish, team awards, and it's all a release tournament. And any... It's all prizes donated, and your entry fee goes all to a charity of the winner's choice, and the winner's accumulative points. So there's just like this idea of camaraderie and not true competition, uh, but obviously it builds in some competition. What's great this year is that so many more people are fishing, so <sighs> and signed up for it. That you know you're going out and you see people who haven't fished for years that have time, considering the circumstances, and getting back to you know the old Nantucket roots where people were out fishing as much as they can or providing for their families and such. So it's a kind of a cool, you know, positive spin on this whole quarantine for this small island. But it's also where I give them credit. And there's a bunch of tournaments that happen on this island, some more successful than others. What makes this one so good is is there is a group that gets competitive about it. But let's remember, they get competitive to win and give money to charity, right? That's that's their competition, yeah. right? That's awesome. Which is great. But then there's a whole bunch that just gets more people out fishing. It's just done the right way. And uh, and Raf, to his credit, puts a lot of time in, and it's all for the good. He doesn't, there's no self-benefit out of it. And, well, his uh, phone must be blowing up, too, because <laughs> he's getting texts of all these fish. You think he gets old of it, but he's a guy who loves fishing yeah. more than anyone. So. Well, the coolest part is the data collection. He and I were, uh, after catching that good fish the other day, I went back and was like, do you have the dates on all the first fish in these tournaments? And he has run the tournament for five or six years. And he's like, yeah, and he ran through the dates. And it's all pretty yeah. similar. And it's like, as soon, you know, we're in a world of data and probably uh, artificial intelligence is going to take over our fishery at some point. God hopes not. But like, he's starting to gather some fun data so we know when kind of expect things well, happen like in stride. It's well, cool. that's something, Cam, to, you and I have had a conversation. At some point, we need to do something about it. Um, and I actually put some time in this winter. I know you have too. Is we one of the things, especially with our, our stocks getting depleted with with you know striped bass or overfish? Okay, that's an that's a official term, and the same thing with bluefish. But the 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 worst part about all of this that's going on is the data collection is very poor by the government, and they know it. They they're trying to figure out new ways to collect as much accurate data as possible, and that's one of the struggles. Is how do we do a better job of collecting data? You know, fish caught, fish kept. You know, you know. Our, it's a great, it's a great tool. Yeah, but but it's like like that's that's if, if we're looking if there's a smart person listening who's really good with technology. I think technology. we've given business ideas every episode, by the way. So someone could be making a fortune on the outside toilet, and now on this, the outside toilet. I'm sure that's probably happening right now. Somebody smart enough is is on yeah. it. 
But this, but honestly, somebody needs to figure this out, and it it, it should be us at some point if nobody else does, because this is not a for-profit idea. This is a, a public benefit. We need to figure out a way to measure our fishery better because that's, or else it's going to go away. Just, I was yeah. just looking back and, you know, those fish that were off first point and I got Aaron, my fiance's first in 2018, a first striped bass. And it was that two days later, two years later. So it was kind of cool to look back and like, Oh my God, it's the same kind of action that was happening. The same type of thing. And totally. I think, you and I had gone out fishing, and I called her up. We're living right down oh, yeah, the dock. Yeah, yeah. Like, you need to get down here. And she took a little while to catch a fish. Meanwhile, I was hooking on some, but she was persistent and kind of fell in love with it. So it's kind of awesome to you know build this kind of innate. I love the enthusiasm that we have right now. And even like on the water yesterday afternoon with Corey, we saw all these smaller boats, all these uh, like zodiacs, little whalers, and you could tell people who are just kind of getting into it. And right when I saw Dano for the first time today, he goes, yeah, you know, Nate, he just bought his first boat. And we saw him out there. Meanwhile, Sam's next to him in an old duck boat. And we just reflected, like, remember your first boat? Yeah. Well, it's, how awesome is that? Like, It's such a tiny little boat. It was a perfect like, – But how much was, pride is there? In and your... he was ripping around Brand Point chasing these fish. And he finally we got him and he cooked one up. And we were right next to him got a great photo of him. And he – you see him around town, all of that, running around for NIR. So he's just like your first psychotic. anything. Your first anything is awesome. But right. here's and here's another piece of this whole thing, though. Is um, uh, yesterday I was fishing, and there was I mean, there was nobody else on the water for a little while, and then all of a sudden it's like three thirty, four o'clock, and within half an hour there's probably a dozen boats out there. But it's all your little whalers. It's your zodiacs. It's like all these like. People coming out after work, people fired up. And that's what's going on right now. And that mooring field's still empty. Let's remember that. You know, There's two boats on the mooring field. Yeah. Like, like this is it's just, well, let's talk about unprecedented times. We're not, we're not talking about the bad unprecedented. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's just cool. Like, well, and it's coming off the heels of last uh, August, September, when we had that, like, all the Bonita Blitz for two or three weeks. This is reminiscent of that. It's so cool to see the activity. And people haven't seen anyone, so everyone's just so excited to chat and just be psyched on fish. Oh, you're screaming at boats. It's like being at the Bonita Bar in, in August where everyone's hooting It's just fun. We spent the last two months worried, you know, figuring out what's going to happen, you know, and all anybody wants to talk about is, understandably, is what's going to happen. What's Nantucket going to look like this summer? What's What the restaurants? All wonderful questions, but all we are all about is like, go have fun and then when you're on the water and you see you know other people having fun it's it's awesome um but we talked a lot about so the harbor's fishing great um north shore is still fishing great north shore is more of a like a morning and night fishery like it's a really sandy bottom it's predicated on these troughs where the fish at night can kind of hunt so like that's where you spend your time in the evenings or at least that's my experience yeah uh to focus on fish eating during the day you need to find some sort of structure or vegetation, eelgrass, something for them to be focused on. Uh, otherwise, it's groups of fish chasing bait like we're seeing. So the North Shore is good, but kind of in the evenings and mornings. And Madikit's still producing. A lot of people are still going to Hither Creek, but that's definitely past its prime. Um, but back in Warren's Landing, in any area that has the vegetation, has the eelgrass, has a reason for fish to be there and activated and eating is all really good. And South Shore isn't thick yet but people are catching more consistent fish by the day i don't know if you keep hearing reports but i do it's it's not like it will be in like three weeks 
but it, it they're finding their holes and sitting there in the right time of tide, you're catching fish. For but, sure. but Ian, John, uh, and Matt and Johnny has a house right on the water, and he said that he's been working on moving the sand out of his yard, but he's been seeing these schools of bass just cruising through and popping on bait and birds. So but just got to be in the right spot, right time. It's, type of thing. it's stuff we talk about. I mean, Cameron told me a story the other day that he was talking to, um, what was the story? Your buddy who's living? Uh, a, a guy up on, um, this is cool, a guy up on the cliff right by um, the water tower, and he was doing a job and looks down, he saw three guys fishing, and he saw a giant school of fish just moving through. And he saw all the plugs land in the middle of the fish, and that one guy hooked up. And these fish were just swimming. It's like you driving. Like I'm not like I'm not eating. Maybe if like something works out perfectly, there's a bag of Fritos in front of you, you might eat it. But like in general, you're either like going for a run or you're like you're focused on eating. Like you got your meals, and like fish generally eat more than we do. But like you're focused or you're not. And but there they were swimming. They that's be- actually a, a really good point. Is so. Again, there's, there's this being blitz in the harbor, and the way our voices are sounding, you must think that we're catching fish every cast. It's actually not entirely the case, you know. Um, like, you know, the first time I was fishing for them, it took me a little while to dial them in because I was casting, um, you know, soft plastics and different things, and I was getting occasional hookups, but not nearly what I should have. And when I finally sort of went smaller and smaller and smaller, all of a sudden my hookup rate. And so this is a time where you can catch fish on anything, but when you start really, these fish are so dialed in on sand eels right now. And the, the fish are migrating too. We have to, they have to move somewhere, yeah. somewhere. So they're just chasing bait and getting to the right spot. So it's similar as you were saying, driving. It's like you have to drive to get somewhere. So Yeah, they'll, they'll be here. I mean, they're here, but it's like, it's just funny watching people cast through schools and not catch them. Yeah. Well, the other thing to remember is, is, is go through the mindset, right? You are hearing the enthusiasm. You go and pick up some lures. You know where you go and you show up at the beach and it's like all positive until you get to the beach. And then you're like, where do I start fishing? Now that I'm at the beach. Like, think about that. Like, and that's the difference between those who know and those who don't. Because those who know say, all right, I'm going to put in an hour. I came at the, you know, a good time and I'm going to work the beach. I'm going to walk the beach. I know I'm going to get fish. Where those who like are all enthusiasm but get to the beach and all of a sudden like, where are these fish? Well, you got to go work for it. You know, it's like well, yeah. it's all enthusiasm. They're there. You just have to work. And there's still people out there. Well, we... you got to work, but there's also experience that plays in. Oh, like, yeah. There's no reason yeah. Chuck the like, Chuck Deuce caught that big fish just because he first off he probably put two hours in before he caught it, and he's been fishing this island for a long time. He knows where to go on what tide on what moon. We always use that line. You know, it's not catching, it's fishing. Yeah. So exactly. that's the beauty of it. This morning I went out with uh, Hal and Sam Herrick, and they were all hooking up all around me, and here I was, like, getting, you know, losing a few fish. And I actually didn't end up getting right to the beach, but it was just fun being out there. It was pouring rain, but it was warm, but it was like, you know, it's just fun to be out here. We ended up going over to Tuckanuck and just – kind of wading across the North Shore, and it was fun. It was super fun. But um, 30% chance of showers this morning, huh? Oh, yeah. It was all- yeah. <laughs> I had that old slam, uh, that Nantucket slam rain jacket. That, that, that didn't work that well. <laughs> yeah, okay, so Cam, Cam and I fished together this morning. It was the two of us and two other great friends. And um, and it was one of, those, one of those where Cam's been sneaking out as much as he can around work and around my schedule when I've been on the water. And actually been getting a decent bit. And we said, let's go out tomorrow morning. And we invited uh, two friends to go with us. And it's 5.45, Cam. Yep. And shows up. And I've got my, you know, 
foul weather gear on just because there was a chance of rain. It was starting to spit a little bit, and I was cold. Cameron's doesn't wear any pants. Yep. Yep. No big deal. No worries. Yep. Um, you catch your biggest fish when you're not prepared, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Cameron, Cameron what, what other mishaps happened to you this morning? Oh, yeah. I had a classic morning. Um, I did have a jacket, but a very thin one. Um, this is the jacket that I – Cameron owns it, but I've been using it for the it, last – I took it back. Three years, and I took it to the Bahamas, just to give you an idea. It's that kind of jacket. Yeah, it's a little lighter jacket. A little more tropical. Yeah. yeah. I had my sunglasses on my hat it's just because I wasn't really focused on – croquis and it was just easy i grabbed and threw them on my hat and then landing the first fish boop, right in the water dip 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 roll over i was like eh, we'll focus on that later so i lost my sunglasses you did morning. stick your arm in the water to try and get the sunglasses yeah so. i didn't try too hard i i saw him going to the other side i was like i could jump in and grab these and i'm like yeah let's focus on the fishing uh but to uh to to drown my worries, I went and grabbed my coffee, had a big sip of coffee, and then spilled that all over the console. <laughs> and so that was all before we got a hook in one fish's gill. Um, that We ended up extracting a little bit of blood, had to release it. Um, but the, I will it was say, fine. But I will there was say, a little blood on the boat, too. We did get a little blood, but I will say about that, it was um, our the the friends who were on the clients who were on the boat with us this morning immediately got all worried because you know they know that we don't love to 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 kill fish and that we're trying to get away from treble hooks and all that and when when I got in there to take the hook out it literally just it, it did not rip the gill so the fish is going to be fine it's when you rip the gills like you know and this you, is on a single hook by the way yeah it, you know but these fish are inhaling the bait you know they are so the single hooks can still get the gills just the key is when you're taking them out. Don't just rip them out. You've got to go in there and pull them Do out. Do you remember your first kind of gill story of trying to be the dentist for the first time? I would say that because you, you have to be very technical when you're doing it, but looking in there and, you know, grabbing inside the gill for the first time and figuring that out, it's all kind of a nerve wracking thing because you're not used to it. But do you remember your first time doing that? or You know, I, I don't remember it, but I do have a, a very firm memory of like all of a sudden, like, you know, when something bad happens and you go into like the playground mode of like, okay, I need to help this person out. That's what my head goes as soon as I see a fish hooked in the gill. It's like, so I can't tell you the first time that like I did it, but I can tell you that I immediately go into like doctor mode. I'm like, all right, fish, you and I are in this together. <laughs> I, and I get made fun of by clients because I'll immediately be like the happy guy and then I'll grab the fish and it's immediately like, okay, hold on. How do we and do this? And I get down on my knees and, and I'm actually pretty like, like one of my super skills might be might be that yeah all right do you remember uh, no i i remember me telling you know strikers or mates on boats of you know the first time being out a few times you know, it finally gets in there and i always say you got to really familiar yourself familiarize yourself with the fish and really get your hands in there and i use the lines like it's just like first time with a woman you just gotta <laughs> go in there and, yeah, and figure out you have nothing to do, but you'll learn how except to for they don't it. talk back to you anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so actually is uh, so dano um you know some of the people in this podcast are listening probably know who you are obviously some don't why don't you give us a little bit of your background um you know just Dano's been a friend with us for years, um, but Dano, what's what's your connection to Nantucket? What's your connection to fishing on Nantucket? Sort of, how did you come to be part of this this world, this culture? So, like many of us, like you guys, I started coming out here when I was a kid. You know, it was our family vacation. We would do two weeks a year, come out in August, and spend all day at the beach from nine to nine at night. So it was awesome, just sitting in the sunset. I remember seeing my dad go out and fish at night and you know, 
get some bluefish and hit all these old stories. And my uncle has been out here for about what, 40 years now. Yeah. And so, Bunk you know, just, yeah, just have this, you know, big family connection. And, you know, as I was growing up out here, I started fishing with Captain Tom as a kid. And my first charter, we caught, I had the most incredible Bonita fishing day where each of us caught probably 15 Bonita. And that's, something that there you go you never has you kind of the tug is a drug there and you get hooked and then i was out here um one summer i was working at straight wharf restaurant and uh cory and i had a relationship when he was my old lacrosse coach at avon old farms and i was working the door for gowie weekend and he said hey and he's running off to a charter hey dana what are you doing this summer besides this i was like, i'm just doing this now looking for other work is that you want to fish i said sure so I started, and I was a mate for. I, by the Tom. way, just to jump in, I remember that night very clearly. And Dano's got a can-do attitude, yeah. and Dano's doesn't have a can-do attitude. Like, sure, and then blows it off. Dano's like, uh, yeah, I can do that. And then you call him the next day. He's like, yeah, is there really a chance to do something? <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I started fishing for Tom, which is awesome. And I try to, you know, I I fell in love with the ocean and on the water. And you know, one of my first trips as a striker with Tom was a. A really memorable one because there was a guy. I don't know if you remember his client, David Lilly. Yeah, of course. Very well. Yeah. He was 90 some odd years oh old. Oh my gosh. He we was were at a sunset fish. Um, it was my first, my second, probably my first trip as a striker. And it turned out David went to college with my grandfather. That's so, so cool. since passed. Um, but he remembered he's 90 years old. And I saw him. It was a perfect sunset. And he's on the back in the rips out west just by himself and the whole family's just letting him have his moment and he hooked on to this really nice fish oh. we ended up getting it in and they wanted to have it for dinner so we, and then tom taught me how to fillet the fish in the back of the boat moving back and uh that kind of just settled that that pure happiness and just like simpleness of being on the water at sunset was kind of this thing is like, oh i can do this for so, a long time uh, i so, love that quick i got a quick david lily he's I mean, talk. I mean, what like memories coming through my head? But I'll never forget when he was very near the end. He um, uh, he wanted to go, and I took him out and put him on a beanbag in the back of Chab, I think it was. Yeah. And um, and he just wanted to catch a bluefish. That was his one one request. And we went out, and we, I drove the boat slowly because he couldn't bounce a lot. And we just we talked, caught a bluefish. I mean, I might have gotten a couple, but it was. His goals were simple that day, and um, he was a, it was amazing. I'll just never forget how happy seeing him on the water. And our day's all going to come at some point. We all know that, and I just hope that you know I can I can leave on my terms. Yeah, it was, it was just it's just such a good guy. Yeah, it was just it's just a special moment. And you know, and Cam brought it up in one of the earlier podcasts of, you know, I I like to fish. I don't. I don't love to fish. It's not in my, but being on the water and letting other people catch fish is such a huge aspect of guiding. And, you know, that's where I just got excited to be around people and just to share this experience for them because, you know, that's what people do. And, you know, it's such an emotional connection to this island and memories like that and doing these things really, you know, make things just that much special. And if you're a part of it, it's such a big honor but and you develop these great relationships with people over the years so um i quickly became a captain and then uh, i would chase the sun for a little while and then when cam started fisher real estate he said dan i have a job for you 
like, all right, that's my ticket to stay here full time. And I haven't looked back. And so you've been out here five years, five, four years full time. I think ten or eleven years as a guide out here. Yeah, working out here. Awesome. And Dano's engaged to be married um, to an amazing, amazing person. Um, Aaron's awesome, and actually. You couldn't, you know, if you can easily say about Erin, she's your perfect fit, you know. She's awesome. She, is yeah, she lets absolute. me do a lot of fun stuff, too. So. She's awesome. Um, you, you know where we, we jumped into this, and I just think we started talking because it was super fun. Yeah, but <laughs> we were bad at that. Um, we ended last Doc Talk with a hypothetical of would you rather catch a 50-pound bass or catch one of every species that – not one, multiple, but catch every species in our fishery. And we could go – from scup to black sea bass to bluefish to bonita all the way offshore to bluefin yellowfin all of it or that giant 50 pound bass and we kind of left it there and i've actually had four or five people stop me on the street and say great question what would you do and i was like i know what i would do what would you do Corey? i honestly i i struggle and i'll tell you what i would do is um at this point in time, so I, I might have said it last week, I might not have. I've caught the 49. I've caught 48. I've caught 47. I've never caught 50. Um, I don't know if I will ever catch a 50, um, but I think I've put in a lot of time. I'm going to put in a lot more. I think I can get there. I would take all the species. And I just think this, what I love about our fishery, and I'm a striped bass guy. Like, I just, I love it. So it's very, very difficult for me to turn down the 50-pound bass, even though that's something that's sitting out there waiting for me. Um, I would take all the fish. And the reason being is there's, this island has just so much variety and cool stuff. To one day catch a white marlin, then a tuna, then to come in and take kids and watch, catch the scup and the tree. You know, it's got everything. I brought up the white marlin. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's just so much to it. So I'm fortunate. I'm. It's hard for me to choose against that 50 pounder, but I'm going to choose against the 50 pounder. So I am different than you. I'm totally on the 50 pound train. Yeah. It's funny. It's um, when you're guiding people and they catch fish. Most of the time, you kind of consider it like you caught it. Like, you know, a client catches a white marlin. Like we caught a marlin today, or like this is how we did it. Because I feel like once you've caught a fish before, you've checked that box in general and getting a client on it, you've done a lot of the work involved and coached them up and it's you're part of the entire experience. So a lot of time in the season is like, like, how'd you do today? Oh, we caught 20 or 30 really good fish. But really, you never touched the rod. Mm-hmm. But I was on the boat uh, with Tom Lesko, end of October, and we went out to Eastern Rips. This was 20 years ago. And this gentleman who was on the boat, I'm telling you, I'd fished downtown for years and I've seen wireline work. The moment I saw him work in wireline, I was like, this guy knows how to fish. Like he, you just know, like he knew how to pump that rod. He was soft. He was thoughtful. He was concentrating. And I could not move my fingers the first 15 minutes there. That water was already in the forties. I'm telling you, it was cold, but something about Tom knew there was fish there. We got one giant bluefish before we got this fish, but this guy's rod bent over and it took drag and it took drag. Like I haven't seen on 12 pound test on a little spin reel and it just went. And this guy goes, Ooh, and he'd caught one before and he knew he just knew. And that fish comes up beside the boat. This is like 15 minute fight. We're in neutral. And I see the fish and I go, Holy crap. 
I reach over, Tom grabs my belt buckle. I'm in the water, two hands in, grab this fish's mouth, and I, I go, Tom, pull me up, pull me up. I couldn't even lift this thing. Comes back up over me, and it falls right on the deck. And we all just like had this collective sigh, like, holy, <laughs> what just happened? 54 inches and thick, thick, thick fall fish. And it was just the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. No one had a camera. You didn't need it. You had the gannets crashing. And we look at him, and clearly we're outside three miles. And he goes, we're letting that fish go, right? And Tom is a huge conservationist. And I think you guys know how I feel. And that fish was in the water within a minute after we had each spent a little time with it and watched it swim. Yeah. But that while I was on the boat, it wasn't my fish, except that it was part of it. And after seeing that fish and the glimmer in his eyes, I got to get it. But it's funny because, like, I got a, a text message from a buddy of a buddy who he's, we're on a chain. And he's like, he's like, great question. It's just so interesting because we don't catch big fish up here. We, we catch a lot of 20-pound fish, some 30-pound fish, the occasional 40. But those fish are much more concentrated on rocky environments, uh, much more concentrated Long Island Sound, Block Island, a little bit more in New Jersey. Like We just don't have the right habitat for those big fish. They slowly move up and stay in that colder water and feed on that bigger, oilier fish, and that's how they get big. Uh yeah, I would take because uh, Tom Sigrun's by Dewey. The yeah, one. yeah. So I was my first year as a striker again. Uh, he caught a forty-five incher, and I was a striker. Had the same thing: go reach in with two hands. Carl pulled me up, and just it was on the fly. So it took forty-five minutes on the fly. So I'll one up you if I could get a fifty-pound fish on the fly, because that was a big. I mean, that I remember. It's up to I'm a tall guy. It's up to my hip. You know. Yeah. above my hip and i just would love just one photo of that thing and just see it swim away because they just the thing bigger is, fish are so much slower and they look tom sigrand's group is always good for a bomb a year yeah, yeah. like they used to always come the greatest group of guys i don't think uh, they don't come up anymore i don't think so no. it's i i talked to tom about it last year but um i remember it was my very first year guiding i was in the little boat we were in the harbor and it was a tough day fishing, but there were three boats, I think, fishing, and the other boats had all caught fish, like a handful, four or five fish, and we were just blanked. And being a young guy, I was like, just, it felt the anxiety of it. And so we stayed a little longer. I remember being in the horse sheds, and I saw this fish, and um, one, of his, one of Tom's guests, I can't remember his name, cast the perfect sluggo out of seven-inch sluggo, and I watched it inhale it. And we had a great fight. It was a 44-inch fish. Whoa. But I was so focused on this fish. And we were in two feet of water. The boat ended up like button up. I jumped in the water like a tarpon because that fish needed to get on the boat. Not only because of the size of it, because I was young and we hadn't caught a fish that entire trip. And I knew everyone else had. You caught in that shallow water? It was so. It was a little bit in that deeper trench in there where it's yeah. like three, four feet deep. But I just, we had control of the fish, so I let the boat just come up against the beach. So one of the things you got to remember there, Dano, is there are there are some big fish in the harbor. And yeah. it's what's, you become sort of in the mindset of you're going to catch them all in the same size, right? Yeah. And and the, the fish, it's probably another two weeks before we start getting those kind of fish yeah. filtering in. And and again, those aren't, those aren't you, you don't tell clients you're not going to expect to catch those, but they're there. And then there's a... Where we probably screw up though most of the time is like today we watched all topwater action. And of course we're going to do somewhat topwater at close. What if we put a three ounce jig with a little bucktail on it and kind of fish the bottom under it like all yeah, these scraps you, like, those big girls the... know what they're doing so it's uh 
Yeah, I mean, there's and there's some big. I mean, watching. I will say, I every year I catch. A, I I do. I'm lucky enough how I fish and where I fish when I go east that I do see a lot of big fish. But I don't see the I, I don't see the fifties. I, I is is clear. But Have you I ever see, caught a white marlin? Oh yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, I've seen them, and I've seen them pushing bait. It's like such a fun thing. Dude, actually, my coolest white marlin was uh, cool to see, man. I guess a little bit of stupid luck. Like, I don't have the theory. Like, you can get a hungry fish, and when you know they're hungry, you can throw a lot at them, and they'll eat. Like, I know people try and be perfect with the right scup and maybe clip their fins in such a way or get an eel. Um, we were out tuna fishing, and um, we're just really set on tuna, and I had a yozuri on. And now it had troubles and it, it, it was, but, uh, threw it right in front of this fish and he lit up and he just knew it. And I think cause of the troubles in his mouth, I've never seen such a show. And it like, it was just fun to watch and I've got a great video of it, but so, I kind of felt bad at the end. Like his jaw was totally fine. It was actually hooked well, but I think it was just the fact that it was troubles and his mouth was wide cause it got both in it. Yeah. I was like, well, so, so one of my great stories along those lines is actually that same day I was out with another guy who we, Oh yeah. You were, yeah. We fish with Donnie. And, um, and we went and like, we went searching for these fish and these fish, it was a tuna and they were not, they weren't showing up. They weren't, we weren't seeing them. And so we kept pushing further and looking and, and, and we came back and we found a pile of fish and it was one of those classics where, all right, let's get the rods ready. Come on. We came up on them and we, I think we, we, we landed three, I think we landed three tuna all in the like 45, 50 inch range. I mean, not, not huge, but like the perfect spot. Oh, the perfect size. So, I don't want them any bigger. Oh yeah. It, 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 it was awesome. In fact, it was two of them were on, uh, you know, tuna spin rods and one was on the Terramar eights that I fish all the time. And that was just because they were blowing up and the two other guys in the boat didn't, didn't get a cast, got cast into them, but didn't hook up. So I just took the Terramar eight, put it in the middle of it. Anyway, so we have three, three tuna that we caught feeling all good about ourselves, you know, awesome day, other shots, perfect. And we run into Cam, who's out there. Like, we're, what, 25 miles offshore, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, Cam. You know? Hey, what's up? <laughs> and, obviously, oh, yeah. and obviously we got communication, yeah. so we, we had an idea we were close to each other. But all of a sudden, and you guys had yet to catch a tuna that day. Um, yeah, we subsequently caught one, but yeah. But you guys had not at that point caught a tuna. And then we're fishing near each other, and we chase one pod, and then all of a sudden, somebody on the radio is like, we got a white marlin on over here. <laughs> we're like, what the heck? We're just chasing tuna. And I, we didn't see a white yet that day. And uh, it was just like one of these great moments where I know, like, I was with Cameron that day on another boat watching the fish jump. So it was like, well, I mean, that's a cool thing. It's, it's like, is amazing that those fish come up this far north. I remember Tom and Nat reader were talking about stories they used to throw pencil poppers at them catch them they just used to be yeah well we'll get when we'll get lynn we've talked about this before we got to get lynn um lynn higher on the on the um to come join us one day because she can tell a lot of stories Uh, yeah and and lynn and lynn i mean she's caught a a ton herself and there's a lot we could get a lot of people um i mean but the whole billfish tournament is is three of us know and hopefully people on this podcast know is was sort of the bread and butter of Nantucket for a long time and the whole design of the billfish tournament originally was go south of the island and and sight cast to swordfish and white marlin are there talks about uh an anniversary a billfish anniversary i haven't heard anything i haven't heard it i mean the anglers club's almost 50 years old right 
Uh, no, it was two years ago. Oh, I thought there was talks of doing a. Uh, That'd be cool. No, I think fun. it's it's definitely like, uh, yeah, it's time has come. So, um, so we're we're running out. I got I got two questions I want to ask. The first one is of each of you guys. So, you know, we started the podcast talking about where we are in our fishery, and we're fired up. What, what, here's what I'm going to ask you first, Daniel. What do you expect in the next week? What's going to happen? Is it going to stay the same? Is it going to get better? What's going to start happening? And obviously, we don't know. We know you don't know, but what's going to happen? I hope this south shore and you know beach fishing gets a little better. It'd be nice to kind of cruise right down to Maya Comet Beach and cast out and catch a few in the morning, and you know call it you know call it a day and get that done. And then as summer's starting to get busier and more people are out here and work's getting a little busier, it'd be nice just to have you know quick fishes when you can get to the beach and just enjoy those little quiet moments so that's what i'm hoping the next few weeks i think we're going to get this this fill of of bigger fish and i think we're also going to see um i think we're going to get bigger fish i think that kind of that evening the witching hour bite is going to continue but it's going to be kind of 30s and 32s um instead and a little bit of fewer fish but i really believe what's happening in the harbor is here to stay for a little while we've got the fish and we've got the bait so I can't see why that would shut off. It might like change a little bit, but I think it's we've got more of the same. I think we've got finally some consistency in our fishery, so I don't see a lot happening. Um, water still feels water's, a little cold. Too, water's so. cold. What could be really interesting – sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. So what could be really interesting from a bait perspective is – you guys remember we had that, that warm push at the end of March, right? And then you know that's where we're sitting here you now. We're gonna catch. We're we're gonna catch yeah, Easter. Water was already like we, we forty eight degrees. Yeah, you know, so many false calls. You know, but like it was all based around that March pop. If you look at the size of these sand eels that we have now, these are sand eels where we usually don't. You know, usually they're you don't see this. This is like Bonita Bar August sand eels. Yeah. So and even fatter. They're not like the thin ones. Yeah. So a lot of these sand eels, I think, were popped probably in that early March push. And so, you know, we've alluded to the bait that, that this, this we're, I'm very excited about the potential bait for the summer because of lack of a, the, the squid the, fishermen. Theoretically, the squid fishermen are not going to be pushing as hard. And um, I, it, this could be just our first sign of we're, we could have a really good bait year. And if we have this a reset. Yeah. Um, so I think that to Cameron's point, I think we got some bait here and I think it's probably, it's, it's, I think it's keep coming in. I know I'm going to go this weekend. I'm going to push out around the Bonita bar and take a look West. You know, I've heard of some fish out there. We don't know how thick it is, but, um, it sounds like there's definitely bait out there. I've heard of mackerel out there. I've heard they're probably crushing those sand eels. Again, I think that early, that March warmth where we saw it as like this false start actually probably was a true start that we just probably are just starting to really see right now. Be awesome, but I, I also agree with you, like Dano. I, I want to see people. There's so many people out here who are so excited to catch fish, and even though we talk with such enthusiasm, we got to remember we're professionals. We can go get them. We know where to go. We have boats. We have all the access. There's some people out there that are just so excited, but still haven't caught their first fish. And, and don't be shy about asking. Like we joke around, and we're brought to you by, but Corey and I own Bill Fisher, and we are open with information we send out a fish report swing by the shop and ask like there's there's some spots we probably won't tell you about but 90 percent of the stuff we're gonna tell you so like don't be shy we want everyone on fish it's awesome there's more people i just love it that there's more people fishing i just think you, know, you go so to the cool. watch the sunset anywhere there's people out who have rods i bet you, your business has been better at bill fisher tackle this year than it has 
fast yeah, it's, we're it's, we're just so psyched with the enthusiasm around it and the support yeah. that we've got and and that's and that's the key so and then um i want to end with with the hypothetical question unless cameron you got one uh, i got one we'll go yours i keep i keep asking them so let's let's hear what you've well, got cam's the best at this one but um this is one that came out of the blue when cameron and i were texting this week with uh one of our best friends growing up who lives now in down in florida and he was with his son and they were fishing for tarpon baby tarpon baby, not quite baby like 40 pound yeah tarpon. you're right they weren't yeah so about 40 pound tarpon that had gotten pushed up into the ponds on the golf courses yeah. i know i guess so what they do is there's these drainage pipes that all lead back into the uh ocean that you see them like yeah. and so they come up when they're little they get in there there's enough bait and there's all these other fish and they just stay and they're super happy so so our buddy seth was down fishing in the um was, was fishing in a pond with his son and Full disclosure, he said, I haven't, we haven't landed them, but we've, we've caught them and jumped them. And so it led to me thinking, if you had a, and this is again hypothetical, if you have a pond, and you could say a golf golf course size pond, you know. We all know what that means. Yeah, and you could stock it with any three fish. And we're not worried about them eating each other. We're just total hypothetical world. Like yeah. we have access to three different types of Bottom fish. line, you can basically walk, you can walk out your back door, walk down to your pond, and there's any three fish that are there you know and again it can be fresh water it can be salt water they can have bills it, they can not it have can be bills. fish you've never caught before yeah it, you know it could be a whole bunch so what three fish do you put in your pond and so that's my question is and i've, I've asked this on a few and i've I, asked this on a few charters already this year and the answers have been awesome i love it this is gonna be a steady flow i think this is a good cliffhanger we save this for next week yeah uh we will let's uh um yeah, so we're done here. Great to talk to you guys. We hope that Chris Bell uh, comes back to us soon. We hope that Daniel is a regular fixture. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it and I'd love to be back. You are always welcome, my friend. Always welcome. Uh, go out, get, catch some fish, boys and girls. Have some fun, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye.